Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. And welcome into episode 71 of The Grid, the show that survives the great Victoria Avalanche of 2024 <laughs> with like just the tiniest bit of snow on the ground, Mike. I didn't see any snow, but I can tell you this, it was cold. There was, a, I, I have... I have actually I have photographic oh. evidence that there was snow. I, I'm not a fa- even though I lived in New Mexico this time last year. I dealt with the snow all the time, and nope, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a fan of snow. I'm I, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of the cold. When I moved back to Texas, you know, 10 degrees outside was not what I signed up for, Mike. I was promised 60 degree winters, and I, I feel bamboozled and misled here. Yeah, I I exactly know what you mean. I I never forget I. When I woke up uh, Sunday morning up in uh, Frisco, uh, I looked at my phone. It was 14 degrees, and I said, "Oh my God!" I said, uh, and of course, uh, when I got back to South Texas, it was slightly better. Just slight. I think the uh, the DFW actually did get snow. Yeah, they the, may have. They actually got real snow. The Packers beat the Cowboys and left <laughs> their weather here with them. I mean, yeah, gosh dang! Oh yeah. So not only did. Uh, Cowboys fans have to suffer that indignity. They had to deal with the weather on top of it. <laughs> the uh, yeah, not a great week. Not a great week for DFW. No. But we're going to talk about what's going on in Victoria here. Some basketball going on. Softball's getting ready to to get out on the diamond. And Mike was at the Ford Tough Banquet. We're going to talk a little bit about that here at the end of the show. But we're going to start. You know, all the game, all the Tuesday night games got pushed to Wednesday night yeah. because, you know, nobody was in school on Tuesday because it was real cold outside. And in Texas, that is, a, we've decided it's a statewide emergency because <laughs> snow is evil or cold, cold weather is evil. So last night I was at East and Gregory Portland over Victoria East High School. East was down 12 at one point in the third quarter, able to come back, take the game to overtime, ultimately could not finish it off, losing 6-2 to 58 to GP and, Talking to Coach Almanza after the game, it's, you know, for him, it's a little frustrating. On one hand, he's like being down 12, and GP's really good to be able to come back, and GP's undefeated in his own play right now. To be able to come back and take that game in OT, proud of your team for how that played out, is what he told me. I'm proud of the guys for how they fought back, but they lost close at Miller. Now they've lost close to GP, and he's just, gosh, if we just steal one of these games, we're in such a better spot for the postseason potentially. So now he's, you know, everyone kind of in that North Zone still has a shot, still has a shot at this right now with the, uh, just with the with the way it's gone. But that was a, uh, so I, Mike, I talked to you about this upstairs, and I'm going to tell the audience now. So there was a moment in the game. We've both been on this show and talked about how we are, proponents of the addition of a shot clock in uh in uh in texas high school basketball but in overtime tied at 58 victoria east called a timeout i think it was 112 left in the game and i looked over at charlie reeve who i was watching the game with and i said charlie i i'm a pro of the shot clock but i'd hold the ball for the final 112 and get the last shot of this 
of this OT. East ultimately did not do that. They actually, Ralph drew up, uh, Coach Almanza drew up a great play for really their best shooter, Fernando Pena. Drew up a really good play for him. The shot just didn't fall. Uh, he, got, he got an open look, shot just didn't fall. It happens. But that was, uh, you know, if there's going to be no shot clock, hey, use it, abuse it. But East was, you know, they got a good shot and a high leverage possession. And that, you know, if you get a good look as a coach, that's all you can really ask for. It's just sometimes shots go in, sometimes they don't. Mike, you were over at the Roost last night. You yeah. were over in Quero, and the Quero girls were uh, dominating. We'll just, yeah, we'll they, uh, they, they realize uh, that. Uh, basically, their their lone competition in district is Lavernia, and uh, these teams they're playing they they outman them. Uh, but uh, you know, to to their credit, I thought uh, they played well. I mean, uh, uh, you don't want to let a game like this to you know get yourself a, a sloppy, start making turnovers, doing silly things, which I. I thought for the most part they did a pretty good job of, um, you know, and to be real, I mean, they had 50 points at half. They could have scored 100. They, uh, uh, Amy Crane, the coach, took out the starters with like four minutes left in yeah. the fourth quarter. And, I mean, uh, and uh, also Memorial started slowing down their offense. And, uh, you know, but, but so what? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, they realized, the girls realized that uh, – and you know they're they're getting ready for tougher competition in the playoffs, and uh, that's what they're working on at this point. Reminds me a little bit of Goliad during the volleyball season, where it's like they're just dusting everybody in district play. You know, ideally you play a, a tough non-district schedule so you can get looks at some high-quality competition. But when you're in a weaker district, you can only play who's in the district, who's on the schedule, and you just try to work on what you can because you know your most important games here in about a you know in less than a month they're going to be a, a little bit tougher. Than yeah, you. and the impressive thing to me is um, they really only have one senior starter. Yeah. So they're they're still young. They're going to be next year. They they could be really really good. And this year they're already good. Now, Amy's done a great job with that team and. Uh, like she said, last year was kind of a learning year for them, getting them together, you know, on the court. And this year, you know, they've they've kind of taken that next step. Yeah, it, the Quail girls, you know, they're ranked in the TABC poll. They're in the top 25. They are, you know, one of the very best girls basketball teams in our area. I want to shift over to the West boys a little bit because this is something I didn't see coming at, you know, certainly – Three weeks ago when district play was starting, Mike, they're 0-4 right now in, in North Zone play. They, they lost to Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi Ray yesterday, and that's one where, you know, the North Zone is tough because East has turned out to – they've taken a step this year. They're a little bit better. Gregory Portland, they have probably the best player in this district as a whole, and Sean Williams, their seven big guy who East got to know very well last night and then Corpus Christi Ray can really shoot the ball Miller plays a kind of a different style a different tempo and you know West didn't you know I wasn't at the game it was down in court you know down in Corpus Christi West didn't play well and they you know they got beat and this is they're still in it they can still win their way into the zone playoff and get in you know find their way into the postseason but Coming off the Mike Smith tournament where they went unbeat, where they won the tournament, and it looked like, okay, they, they're figuring some things out. They lose the East, and it's been a little bit of a spiral now since. Yeah, and here's the, here's the problem there. Over in the other zone, 
you have Veterans Memorial and Flower Bluff yeah. that are both really good. So what you're looking at is whoever finishes second is going to have to play Flower Bluff yeah. for that third place spot. Or well, no, no, whoever finishes third has yeah. to pl- will have to play Flower Bluff. Yeah. So even if like if West can get itself in the third, yeah. it's it's not guaranteed anything. So right. This is yeah. They need to start winning games. Yeah, and and, uh, and they play East on uh, they play East on Tuesday, Tuesday, and that is you know yeah that becomes a a must win really. I don't even think almost. I think if as far as for the postseason, even just to get in the zone playoff, because you know Miller's going to here's Miller had you know a returning first team All District player. He came into the game against West, hadn't played all season, hadn't played the whole game. They, he wasn't in the book. They took the technical foul on the two free throws to get him into the game. Damari Lister, uh-huh. he scores 14 points in the fourth quarter, and West loses by I think it was by two or by three. And it's like, and if you're Cody McDonald, you just gotta be sitting there thinking you got to be kidding. You know he's not in the book, so yeah. we're thinking. And Ralph and Cody have told me this year like Miller's got this kid. He's really really good. He hasn't played yet, and it's like hopefully he doesn't. You know. Not that you wish ill on a kid, but yeah. it's like, hopefully he doesn't play against us. Hopefully he comes back the game after <laughs> us. So Cody looks at the book and sees, okay, yeah, he's not playing. And he wasn't even dressed out in the, in the first half. And then he comes in in the fourth quarter and scores 14 points. And it's just, as a coach, it's, you know, you got to rip your hair out and be like, come on. what the, what the? And He scored 14 of their 16. And they only had 16, and he scored 14 of them in the fourth quarter. So it shows you just... You know, there's been a little bit of bad breaks here as well. But, yeah, this game against East on Tuesday becomes a must-win for Victoria West. And in in girls basketball, I want to look at Victoria East because it looks like they're poised to win the North Zone because Yolanda Wimbush North has got her team playing some basketball over there. Yeah, and really, too, though, for going back to the boys' game for a minute, it's almost a must-win for East as well Yeah, because they're in that situation, you know, where they've got Miller, they lost to Miller, they lost to G.P., they need to win. So uh, otherwise, yeah. they could end up. You can end up with East and West. Can you play for a third time yeah. to determine third place yeah. in the zone? No, it's that's yeah. absolutely on the table. Everybody in everyone in the North Zone is still alive, and really outside of GP, everyone's still viable to get eliminated. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's an interesting it's a really interesting situation here, and then also even West still. If West were in this hypothetical universe, if West were to run the table, the fourth spot is still yeah. on the ta- or the second spot. I mean, <laughs> is still on the table for them. So you could, and that being the second versus the third seed is a massive, massive difference oh, yeah. with Vets and Flower Bluff versus like a King or a Carol yeah. or somebody like that. Yeah, and that's why we just love this zone setup, don't we? Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's a, such well, a joke. Well, and it's so. Because the South Zone, you have like the two powerhouses. You got the two Titans, and then everyone else is kind of like, yeah, everyone else just kind of eh. But in the that's in the South, but in the North, you have you know GP has kind of set themselves like okay, they're they're the top end. But then two through five are all you know any given day they can kind of beat each other. So Mm -hmm. it is you know. It is really, it is really tough. So I'm excited to see how we, the second half of this zone play plays out. But go, yeah, going to the girls again yeah. now. Yolanda Wimbush North. I I know she really liked her team coming into the season. She liked it early in the season. She likes it now, and they've given her a lot of reason to like them. Yeah, they uh, come off a win over GP down there. Um, 
They're in pretty good shape. And as that's far as... probably, barring some breakdown here at the end of the season, it looks like they're going to win the North Zone. Yeah, they, they they should. I mean, obviously, you know, West is a, being a rivalry game. You can't yeah. take anything for granted. And uh, But, uh, yeah, they're in good position to win the zone and uh, square off with uh, the second-place team yeah. from the other zone. Uh, no, they would play the first place. Yeah, they, they would be playing for the district for, championship. For the district championship. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, they're in good position. Uh, I think what she's looking for is uh, improvement, you know, mm-hmm. every game. Just keep playing. Um, what I noticed from the GP game is that uh, their two post players combined for only 11 points, which is very unusual for East. But they have guards, you know, that can score. And really good wings as yeah. well. So, I mean, they do have I, – I mean, in a way, I, I'm not sure I haven't spoken with uh, Coach North. But, um, you know, in a way, I'm sure she's kind of disappointed with the scoring output. But in a way, I'm sure she's glad to see that they can win without them scoring a lot Th- They're such a versatile and balanced basketball team. Like, they don't, you know, it's not just, okay, we got to stop Sanaya Randall. We got to yeah. stop Avery Valentine. Or we got to stop KK Cleveland. It's Nevaeh Ron Hell. It's everybody can really come. And they, and they have girls that can come in off the bench and probably start at other programs in the district who come in, play 10 to 12 minutes, play their role, do a good job in it. East is a balanced a very balanced out group right now who can beat you a lot of different ways, which I think is that's the best thing you can be in basketball is a team yeah. that can win a lot of different ways. Yeah, and uh, they definitely would want, you know, want to get the best seed possible. Of course, you don't know until you get in the playoffs, you know. Sometimes the second seed can be better yeah. than the number one seed, you know, just depending on well, the But we matchup. saw that in football with the yeah. East and West. Yeah, just just depends on your matchups, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, – yeah, uh, things are looking pretty good for the East girls. Yeah, right the, the East Lady Titans doing a lot over there on the east side of town. We're going to throw it to break with a message from White Trash Services. They're going to come out and softball. I know it's been cold this week, guys, but softball is getting ready to start. I promise you the inaugural poll is out. We're going to talk about what's going on there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm joined by B.J. Nelson. B.J., White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area. High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 361- Five five zero one eight two six. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, eight to five during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. Ah! 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 
We are back, episode 71 of The Grid, and as the ice melts from softball fields across the crossroads, we are getting ready to play softball games. The inaugural Texas Girls Coaches Association poll came out, you know, the preseason poll came out this week, and with little surprise, the Weimer Lady Cats ranked number one in the two-way poll, the defending state champions, and Mike, I know they lost Reagan Wick, I know they lost Paige Pavlou, but... They returned six starters. Izzy Reeves is back there. They got some other girls in the lineup that are really, really good. And this is a Weimer team that, you know, not that anyone wants to lose Reagan Wick. You know, she was our all-area MVP, and, you know, that, that means we think she was the best player in the region last year, and she proved it in the state tournament. But this is a team that still has plenty of talent returning. Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, Coach Moppin, he said it. They know they're going to they're count on some younger people. Mm-hmm. And uh, but like you said, I mean Izzy Reeves is a tremendous player. Just uh, her speed gives them such a, a different dynamic. Uh, not not only uh, you know on the bases, but also in the outfield. In the field, she's a tremendous defensive player, and that'll help. Um, but but as we all know, that district is uh, that district is tough. And, and I mean Shiner is loaded. Shiner is loaded, and that's where they're ranked number five in the preseason <laughs> poll. And I think that's underselling it. Yeah, and I do too. They uh, they are they return Mike. They return everybody. Yeah, I mean they return from a team that was you know an out away from going to the state tournament last uh-huh. year and beating Weimer, who eventually won. They gave Weimer as tough a tough a time as anybody. Yeah, Sh- yeah, Shiner's right there. Sh- Shiner's right there. So you know Lauren Springfield, who didn't pitch, who's a, just a freshman last year, <laughs> didn't pitch the first half of last season. She's back. Riley Van Cur- Riley Van Cur- still hit the furthest softball <laughs> I've ever seen anyone hit. She hit, and I and I watched games at altitude. She hit it further than anyone did. I saw at altitude last year down in Beeville in a playoff game. Like she. Hit the ball over the scoreboard i'm still i saw her the other day for a basketball story i'm still not over that she's like we've met before i said yes you hit it over the scoreboard the last time i saw you just absolutely nuts the the shiner lineup is going one through nine and and moppin acknowledged it when i talked to him this week he's like look one through nine that shiner lineup's gonna be brutal like they're gonna be tough to pitch to every everybody in especially in that district and around the state knows it and then the other team ganado's at number 10 they return some talent in the you know from the offense. They lose Macy Kalachny, who was their great. She was a great pitcher for them last season. I'm hearing about this freshman yeah. class though, and even usually coaches are like, when it comes to freshmen, they're pretty cautious. Like opposing coaches are cautious about oh you know saying this is gonna come in and make a difference. But even Moppin acknowledged it when I talked to him this week. Like that freshman class is going to be really, really good for Canado. So I'm mean, there's someone known there, but everyone seems to be in agreement that, yep, that freshman class is going to be really, really good. Yeah, it, it, that district, I mean, uh and who knows? I mean Schulenberg. Schulenberg made the Flat- regional semis last yeah, year. Yeah, Schulenberg, Flatonia, you get one of them in there too. I mean that district is just but I'll tell you what, whoever comes out of that district and can win the region has a very good chance to win it all. Well, well here, here's a way to put it, and Mike, you know this, but it's worth reiterating. The uh, Nobody in that district lost to anybody else outside of that district in the playoffs. Schulenberg lost to Weimer. Ganado lost to Shiner. Shiner lost to Weimer. Hmm. The teams in that district didn't lose to anybody else except teams in that district last year in the postseason. Yeah. And it's going to be a problem again. That district is just the wrecking ball of this part of the state. And Weimer being the defending champ, Shiner returning what they do. 
I think once again, it's not, I don't even think this is a projection or a hot take or just trying or being biased. That's the toughest district in the state once again. I think so from top to bottom. I don't think there's any question. You know, I I think uh, Refurio actually, they have that little pitcher who's pretty good. And they return quite a few too. Yeah. But, you know, the, the problem there is for them is they don't see the competition no. that, you know, the Weimer, the Shiners, the Ganados do. So when you get, you know, you usually face them, I don't know, first or second, second. round. Yeah. You know, that's a big step up. As we saw actually last year, Schulenberg took out Refurio. Yeah. So uh, it was it was two, you know, two out of three. It went three games. Mm. But, uh, you know, that shows you the level – of competition yeah. in that district. Yeah, and Schulenberg facing Reagan Wick and Macy Kalachny and Lauren Springfield all year. Yeah, yeah. you go into Refurio and it's anybody else. It's going to it's gonna look like a meatball yeah. just because you're facing anybody else. Yeah. But the one other thing, Hallettsville, they're ranked number four in the 3A poll. And we talk about Shiner coming back and being loaded. It's the same thing for Hallettsville. They have a returning pitcher of the year in Kaylee Olivares. Not just her. All three pitchers who pitched for them last year are back. So their their rotation depth, the, the pitching depth for them is no problem. You mentioned Izzy Reeves for Weimer and how good she is in the outfield with her speed. H- Hannah Zachary and Ella Amsden for Hallettsville are right there with her. Yeah. Just the speed in the outfield. Both of them hit nearly 500 on the season. The lineup, one through nine, Carson and Macy Yansky. You know, both, yeah, I think Carson Yansky's committed. She's committed to D1 softball. Macy Yansky, a year younger. Not not there, not there to the point where she's committed yet, but probably a D1 player in her own right. And this is a Hallisville team. Still a lot of players from the 2022 championship. They don't think they should have lost to Santa Gertrudis in the regional semifinal. That still really bothers that group. I'm excited to see Hallisville softball this year because I think like Shiner, they and it's, you know, those towns are right next to each other. They return a lot and they're they're just loaded. Yeah, I really agree. I think Hallettsville has got a chip on its shoulder. Yeah. You know, that loss to Santa Gertrudis, I mean, uh, and that the way, I mean, they almost came back and won. Yeah, they I, they scored like five in yeah. the ninth, and it was a, yeah. you know, so, it, uh, it was a, you know, coaching yeah. error kind of there. Who, you know, she yeah. acknowledged it. and But, oh, but you know, I'm sure they got a chip on their shoulder, and, uh, they, you know, they'll be ready, and, uh you know, I, I know we've got a couple of teams that weren't in the poll, but I would say dark horses you might want to watch in 4A is Cuero. Cuero, they which return has, a lot of their offense. Yeah, they can, they can, they can hit the ball. Yeah. And then also El Campo, I'm curious to see how they uh, they lost some players. But I think, um, you know, their pitcher and their, their – well, actually their shortstop yeah. went to North Carolina. Yeah. But they have players back, too. So, uh, you know, those are two teams to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for – I think of all the sports we have in our region, I think softball is played at the highest level when it come, when you talk about, like, what else is going on around the state. I think the softball here is a really, really high level. So that was – you know, that was my introduction to the advocate and covering sports here last year was a lot of softball, and I'm, I'm excited to – get at it for the second time around because we got some really, really good teams and some awesome players here in the crossroads. We're going to throw it to break once again here. Message from Thriving Financial. And then Mike was up in the DFW for the Ford Tough Banquet. We're going to talk you know, talk about some takeaways from that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thriving is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thriving believes money is a tool, not a goal. 
Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrig works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. Alrighty, we are back. Episode 71 of The Grid. And Mike, you spent your weekend in the lovely Frisco, Texas. Talk about, you know, Ford Tough Banquet. We had some players there. Uh, Nick Angerstein from uh, Sacred Heart. Jada Andrews, the running back from Bay City. And then Ricky Rubio, the defensive back over from Tidehaven. I know you had some things you want to say. Talk about, just, you know, talk about the banquet. Talk about what you want to talk about here. Well, really, the thing I want to point out is, I mean, uh, it's a special, a special uh, thing for these uh, athletes that they get nominated and win the Player of the Week. Uh, you know, they take, they go up to the Ford Center, which is where the Cowboys, you know, practice their headquarters. Uh, they take them on a tour. Uh, they give, they have a banquet, and they introduce all of them and uh, give some of their highlights. And then, of course, one person from each classification wins Player of the Year. Which we've had a couple of those. I think uh, we had Reuben Owens, we've had Jordan Whittington, and we've had uh, Travis Quintanilla way back from Refurio when he uh, set state passing records. But uh, what I really want to talk about is for the coaches that are listening to uh, make sure next year to nominate your players. And uh, especially, I have to say, defensive players and linemen. Because, you know, obviously if a back runs for 300 yards, everybody's going to see it. But you may have a defensive guy that had 12 tackles, two interceptions. You know, look at Ricky Rubio. That's how he got it. And that was because uh, David Lucio, you know, recognized that and was able to nominate him. So I would just urge coaches because, I mean, it's a great thing for the the, uh, athletes involved. I mean – they go up. Uh, they'll either fly them up there, or they can drive, and they they put they put them up for a night. And uh, it's really just a really good program. It's been going on now for quite a while. I I tell you the truth, I've been on it since the board since it began, and I I can't even remember. I know Bruce Weber, who's passed away, uh, he started. It was a tremendous idea to honor the uh, athletes and. Uh, I, I would say they had about an eighty percent uh, attendance. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, there were a lot of athletes there. So, uh, well, you combine that with so many people like, hey, the Cowboys are in town yeah. this weekend. Well, too, playoff I, game. Actually, to tell you the truth, uh, Bobby Gonzalez, the DC at yeah. Tidehaven, he went with Ricky yeah. Rubio, and his wife. Well, they flew up. His wife drove up, and they stayed and actually watched the Cowboy game. Yeah. You know, stayed overnight and then watched the Cowboys. I know Bobby wasn't happy with the outcome <laughs> like a lot of people, but uh, it's a good thing, you know. And uh, I would just urge coaches next year that uh, – and I'll remind you again and uh, that uh, to get your nominations into me as soon as you can. Um, usually I try to send, submit them by Sunday night. So if you get them to me Saturday after after a game, I would – that would be great, and because uh, you know we 
we want as many of our area kids to be recognized as possible. No, absolutely. And that's the thought behind our all area teams as well. Yeah. Mike, we call that a segue into business here. All area <laughs> volleyball coming out, going to be in the weekend edition of the paper. And all area football, are the teams in pen or in pencil right now? Uh, they're 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 almost in pen. They're almost in pen. Uh, we've been we've been there's been a lot of discussion. We're pretty we feel good. We feel good about the well, all area well, football team. I just say this: that we have a lot of good. We had a lot of good quarterbacks. We had a lot of good quarterbacks. And, a lot of good running backs too. And obviously, they can't all be on the team. So yeah. uh, keep that in mind. Yeah, a lot of good quarterbacks. A lot of good running backs yeah. as well. And I'll say this for volleyball. The amount of good setters we have in the area for volleyball, Mike, is just is just insane. There are years where girls who were going to be on the second team could have been in contention for setter of the year. We had a lot of good setters in, in the area yeah. for volleyball, so that's that's the one. There, we all we did it with baseball and softball too. There's always one or two positions that it's like, gosh, there were so many good yeah. players in this position, and that was you know. Run, you know, running backs and quarterbacks in football, and then setters in volleyball. That was those were the positions. Yeah, and I, I guess we should remind people uh, while we're doing to put a little plug here that uh, the volleyball team will be in the weekend edition of the Advocate, which comes out on Saturday, and of course on in Advo Sports online, and then the the same will be true for football the next week. So you make sure and pick up a, a paper. Yeah, so we're we're excited to get those out there. We've been we've been working on them. We finally got actually the weather delay this week actually gave yeah. us some time to yeah. really sit down and put everything uh, kind of in perspective. We've been doing it kind of taking bite-sized pieces out of it, but we took the final big chunk out of it this uh, Tuesday. So we're excited to get those out to you. We're excited to get those athletes uh, recognized. We had a lot of good ones in the crossroads this season, but think that just about does it for episode 71 of the grid. Trent Williams, that's what I'm going with, the fantastic left tackle for the 49ers, future Hall of Famer. That's a good one right there. That just came. Yeah, that is a good one and uh, a big OU guy. His only flaw is he's from Oklahoma. Yeah. His only, he has a massive character flaw yeah. that he went to OU. Yeah, him and Lane Johnson. Him right? and Lane, yeah. Something about tackles, yeah. in the, uh, you, you know, in Oklahoma, but. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to be back with you here next week on The Grid.